0: So uh, the title of my um, thoughts message to you here this morning is The Spiritual Authority of the Believer. The Spiritual Authority of the Believer. Authority is an important thing. And authority is a vital thing. And so much of what the Bible is about all goes back to this concept, this fundamental concept of authority. Who runs the show? Who's in control? Now, you could take a human being and put them out in the middle of, let's say, a four-way intersection, right? And they can start making gestures and put up their hand and all this kind of stuff. And most people would, well, probably most people would think that that was a cop and would probably respond to that. But the funny part is you can actually put somebody out and do that. Let's say our friend Jason Haw could be out there, and in that he is a duly um, authorized policeman. He would be able to stop cars simply by holding up his hand. He wouldn't have to wrestle them to the ground or, you know, nothing physical. He, because he has authority, right? If you're driving along and all of a sudden the little red lights go on behind you, you pull your car over and mumble some things that you wouldn't want everybody else to hear necessarily. Uh, but you would have to respond. To being pulled over and whoever, whatever you know, might be forthcoming from that encounter, uh, you would would become your issue because that person has authority. Authority changes the whole picture. It is it is delegated responsibility from the person who has responsibility to some other person. In that particular case, the responsibility to direct trafficker, whatever it may happen to be. Authority is such a key. Such a key concept, and maybe just to kind of, because um, this is where I was going last week, and then we just kind of we were, we were a little short last week, um, but the the story of authority and who's in control is like fundamental, front and center in Scripture from the get go, right off the bat. Genesis chapter one, heard Marquis speaking it a little while ago, and it says, and God blessed them, and He said. Be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion over the earth and subdue it. And God had given to human beings, to Adam and Eve, to the male and female that he had created, he gave to humanity the authority to have dominion or control over planet earth. That was Genesis chapter 1. By Genesis chapter 3, it's down the tubes. By Genesis chapter 3, they, instead of resisting The authority of Satan who came along to tempt them to do the one thing that God said, you may not do that. In the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And they failed to respect that and listen to that. And along came Satan. He says, are you kidding? Hey, this thing is something to be desired and make you wise. And And so Eve, unfortunately, ate. Adam ate. They compromised their authority. Now authority was transferred. Authority went from them over to the wicked one because they chose to listen to him and obey him rather than God. And the whole terrible, tragic story of of the human race, wars, and, and, and so much evil that has been part of humanity all harkens back to that transfer of authority because originally Satan was to be under their feet. God had given them authority over everything that moves upon the earth. So he was to be under their feet, but unfortunately they failed the test. So Satan became what the Bible calls him to be, the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the ruler, the spirit that now rules in the hearts of those who are disobedient. So all of those things, that's what went wrong. And Satan... Um, was given authority in this world, and he continues to manifest authority, and he has complete and total authority until Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, his time is just about over. And when he goes to try to tempt Jesus, to to draw him in to what I call the autonomy rebellion, he, just act on your own behalf. Do for yourself. He's 40 days, Jesus is fasting. He says, hey, you're the son of God. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? Jesus says, "Don't need any. It's not. It's written. Man does not live by bread. You know the whole. You know. You know the thing." So, the point being, okay, that authority then went from humanity to the wicked prince of darkness, and then Jesus came. Satan tries to lure him in, but Jesus resists all solicitation. All. Lore into, into the, into and it's so subtle, it's so subtle to see it, because he was asking Jesus not to do something bad, just do it for yourself. Take matters into your own hands, right? And what Jesus is confident of, and the reason why he is not subject to the solicitations of the devil is because he knows God has got it completely under control. He's walking in the authority of God. Okay, that's that's what's important. He knows who he is, why he is here, what he is supposed to be doing, and how it's all going to turn out. So he doesn't need anything that the devil has to offer him. Remember in the book of James, every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then when lust gives birth to sin, then lust gives birth to sin, and sin gives birth to death. So, my beloved brethren, do not be deceived. Right, so this whole thing is Satan comes along and puts something out there in front of you and says, that's what you need. That's the thing. what could be a relationship, could be a promotion, could be a particular job, could be a place, could be anything, and he works on all of us in the exact same way. Here's the missing thing that you need, and I can get this for you, and what you should do is make it your business to go out and get this thing. His temptation is for us to act on our own behalf rather than to trust God, who has in mind everything that we need for life and godliness according to the promises that he has placed over our life. So Jesus is completely secure in God's authority over his life and who he is. And so he goes in, instead of taking the side route to like Satan Satan says to him, takes him up to the high mountain, I've covered this ground before, I know. But he takes him up to this high place in the world, and he shows them all the kingdoms of the earth. And then he says to him, now all these are mine. Now there's the authority, right? Satan know, all of this belongs to me. I give it to whoever I want to have it. That takes us back into, like, who's running this world? Why is the world, why are the governments of this world and the corporations of this world buying into, like, evil weirdness? and, and why, why is that happening? Because the, the wicked one runs the world. And he's, he's playing the tune, and everybody is, everybody's dancing to this whole thing. So when Jesus comes in, the, the solicitation is, look, if, uh, all, these, all these empires, they're mine. I give them to whoever, whoever I want to give them to. And all you have to do to get them is just give me one little tiny little genuflection, and we're good to go. That's all it's going to take. And Jesus, of course, resists that whole thing. And, and that's what we're called to do, by the way. We're not called to rebuke the devil. We're called to resist the devil. And now I remember here, I'll tell you a little story, a little personal story. When, before I was saved, so this takes us back to about like the late 70s, somewhere along the line where I, pl- I was playing in bands, and I, I managed to steal a, a copy of the Gideon Bible out of a motel room somewhere that we were playing over a weekend or something like that. And I didn't figure anybody would be mad would anybody be mad that someone stole a Bible? I kind of figured that's probably why they put them there, so somebody would actually read the thing, you know. So I had this, and, and I, having come from my Catholic background, I didn't know a lot of Bible, um, knew some of the, knew a lot about Jesus and all of that, but didn't really know much about the, the Word of God. But I, I had read in there about something about, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, right? You've probably read that one too, James chapter something or other. I think it's three. Anyway, so... In 78, Lorraine gets saved. I told you the story. I go out with Lorraine again. We're broken up at the time. We go out. She tells me I'm on my way to hell. I fast a couple of days or a day, and and the Lord makes it very clear that, yes, in fact, um, you are are going down the wrong road in life. And so um, I ultimately wind up getting saved out of that whole thing. But while Lorraine and I are talking after we had eaten dinner when we had not seen each other for a long time, but now we are going out together, and she's telling me that I'm on my way to hell, I said to Lorraine, I can remember this so clearly. I said, you know, I've read in the Bible that it says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I said, I have resisted the devil more times than I think we can count. He's never fled for me. He's always. If he did, he was on a yo-yo string, right? And now here's, did, here was the problem. Does anybody know what the problem was? The problem was I didn't know the whole word. I didn't know the whole whole accounts. Because there's a verse of Scripture right in front of that verse, which says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The verse says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, to try to resist the devil on your own, on our own, is an absolutely impossible thing to do. He's far too crafty. He's far too smart. This is the one that was made perfect in wisdom and beauty until iniquity was found in him. He was so perfect that he was confused in his own mind as to, hey, who's really God here? And so that's why he launched his whole rebellion against the authority, resisting the authority of God, and so in this, in this, um, you know, this, this whole way that, it, that it's all laid, up, laid out here, Jesus maintains or stands in God's authority and comes in. So anyway, with, with the story, let me get back to that. So the, the key to, to this whole issue of authority is you cannot benefit being, you cannot benefit walking in God's authority until you submit yourself to God's authority that is really the key and the submission to god's authority has to do with the surrender of one's personal self-serving self-aggrandizing self-shaped program this is what i want for my life and this is what i'm going to get it has to do with saying what jesus said in gethsemane not about what i want it's about what you want okay so so <clears throat> so then we got it right submit yourself Therefore, to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that kind of sets up uh, the whole picture because this authority thing has been in play from the very get-go. And the authority compromised, paradise lost, okay? Authority are restored through Jesus' obedience. That's, that's what restored it. Okay, It was his perfect obedience to the will of God. That's what restored. And and the fact that he became one of us, then it makes us, because we join in with him. This is so insane. This is so amazing. Because he becomes one of us. He takes on this flesh so that we ourselves can be partakers and sharers of his divine nature. So we get to pick up all the benefits of the authority that he got all by himself. Hallelujah. Okay, this is this is the simple story behind <clears throat> all of this. So that just before Jesus leaves, on his his last statement to his disciples, is all about authority. <clears throat> all authority has been given unto me. Go forth and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to, unto the end of the age. And so this whole thing is like. Adam lost it, Jesus got it back, he's commissioning it to us, and we are to walk in that sense that God is in control of things down here. Because there's a lot of times when, that, when you're going to be tempted to think that that may not be the case. Now, because, <clears throat> because God is in authority in the world, that, is not, that does not mean that God is causing everything in the world. God is giving all kinds of leash to all of us. But in the long run, the whole picture belongs to him, and he authoritatively oversees it, and it will all amazingly conform to his will when when all is said and done. So we want to talk about the believer's spiritual authority in Christ and my computer down. All right, the spiritual authority of the believer. Here's a passage. We kind of introduced this one last week. But we're going to stay with this for a little while. Um, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic power powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Let us commit this little bit of time to the Lord. Father God, we want to thank you that we're here today, that we have health and strength and food and family and friends and stuff that we need, and every every good thing, your words is every good and perfect gift come down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness or shadow. of Every good thing that we have, you are directly responsible for that. Every good thing that exists on planet Earth, you are directly responsible for that. Every corruption, every broken thing, all the brokenness and craziness of this world, somebody else is responsible for that. But you are in the process of restoring it. Hallelujah. You came into this world to restore this world. To win this world back, to win us back, under the loving authority of Almighty God, and not the corrupt authority of the Prince of Darkness. So we thank you for this time, Lord. We just pray you'll take your Word and minister it to our hearts. We'll be able to, and I'll be able to present it clearly, and uh, and in its simplicity and truth as it really is. So bless our time together this morning, and give us a greater awareness of this that we are. We are your delegates. We are your ambassadors. We live within the structure of of your authority. All things are working together for good for us because of your sovereign position over our lives. So we thank you, Lord God. Lead us here and teach us, and we'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name and for his sake. And everybody said, all right, here we go. Now, in an effort to get back to Ephesians, we were doing Ephesians. We had to take a, a little break. Um, I wanted to get back to chapter 6. That's where we learn everything that that, that we need to learn about spiritual warfare. And last week I introduced the idea of this whole idea about spiritual authority. And and there's two things that we want to learn. First of all, what does the Bible have to say about spiritual authority? What is it? How does it function? And as I was pondering that, a a story came to mind. A Bible story came to mind, which I think think is really interesting. Because it takes you in a direction that you didn't think it, it might. In Matthew chapter eight, we read about the story of the centurion who comes to see Jesus, and he has a sick child. Okay, and so he comes and he petitions Jesus that he would come, that he would that that he would that there would be healing for his child. And Jesus says, "I'll come." And he says to him, "You don't have to come. You just have to speak the word. You're just going to say this, and it's going to happen." He says, "I understand this because I am a man." under authority, right? I understand this whole, the way this stuff works. So somebody, I I myself, and living in submission to somebody else's authority, my commanding officer, and I have people who are under me, and I tell this one, go do that, and he goes and does it, and I tell this one, go over here, and he goes over there, and he says, "And, and people do the things that I say because I understand this whole concept. I'm working within the structure of this thing called authority. So you don't have to come to my house, all you have to do is just speak the word. It'll be done because you are a person who, has, who is walking in the authority of God. Jesus, Now the Bible says, Jesus marveled. And he makes this statement. This is quite a statement, I think. He says, I have not seen faith like this. No, not anywhere in Israel. Now, this guy is not like your most likely to be saved guy. He's a Roman centurion. Right? You would assume that a person like that is probably far from the, the, the kingdom and all of that. right? But this guy comes and he acknowledges this one principle of authority that somebody is in control. And when somebody is in control, they have the power to make things happen according to the way they want things to happen because that's what authority does. And so Jesus says, I've not seen faith. Now here's the connection I think that, it, that we should make. Faith if you think about the Hebrews section of you know, faith is the substance of things not seen, the evidence of things hoped for, right? The, the, he goes on to talk about by faith we understand that the worlds were made by things which are which are not, you know, by hands which are not. So we understand, like what he's saying in Hebrews is we understand that behind the visible, tangible, is always the spiritual invisible. We see all the stuff that we see, and it's part of the natural world, the three, you know, the um. Uh, the physical world that we are passing through. But there's a whole other reality. And that other reality is basically setting up and controlling. Okay? If, it is, if, one is be, if, if one is living one's life flirting with the dark powers, the reality is going to be destruction. That's true. Uh, there's plenty of people here who could get up and give a testimony about that. Right? That you followed what you thought and having a good time and living your life and partying and living it up and what have you, and before you knew it, some disaster happened. It's like, phew, I got stories like that for sure. And, so, and the, only re- the only reason my life did not turn out to be a complete nightmare was because Jesus came into my life at 24 years old. Thanks be to God. I'm serious because I was going, I, I was in more trouble by the time I got to that point in my life, and I was a nice guy. Seriously. <laughs> I was a nice person. I wasn't like some wicked, you know, some, some awful person. I was a really nice guy. But I was, I was living my life under the authority of deception. That's what we inevitably do if we are not living our life under the authority of Jesus Christ. We don't know that we're doing it. That's how bad the, 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 the deception is, that we don't even know that it's happening. And so we are living our life under the guidance of someone who is only here to kill, steal, and to destroy. That's, that's the reality of it, right? But in Jesus, when I have placed life, when I have placed myself under the authority of Jesus, Jesus says, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And so this whole Picture radically changes because just as when a person is living their life under the influence of the world, we'll just call it the world, we won't talk about the devil because nobody thinks they're living under the influence of the devil, but since the devil is running the world, and the world is just simply a spiritual manif- manifestation of the chaos that he's about and which is why the digger you the, the deeper you dig into things the more inexplicable they are the more corrupt they are the more broken they are the more <coughs> um unsolvable they are because right down to its very core this thing is just such a disaster because it has been because people have been living out under the uh, under the authority of Satan for the last 8,000 years on this planet, and and we and, and here's what we got, right? You would think that after 8,000 years of human history, we would have this thing down, right? We, we would be able to figure out, like, what works and how it works and set it up like that, and about the closest it ever came is the country that we happen to be living in, right? That's, that's about as close as it's ever gotten because this country was established by Christians, Okay? by people who believed the Bible and the Word of God. And so they put into the whole social compact, social construct, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. America was the first nation ever on earth where the leaders of the nation recognized that rights did not come from people or political parties. Rights come from God. And it is because those rights come, that come from God that they must be respected even by governments. Even governments must yield to the sovereign, right of, the sovereign God-given right of the individual. And that's why this place that we're living, you see, the, the tendency, the trend of everything in the world is toward evil. It is that in you, without Christ, that's where you're going. It may be great evil, it may be, it may be great, deep, terrible darkness, or it may be rather benign evil, and just kind of like a um, casual attitude and spirit towards the things that are truly and re- and really most important, okay? And so one way or another, if I'm living my life under that guidance, I'm heading down the road to destruction. However, if I, if I bring my life back in under the lordship of Jesus, he says, I have come, they might have life, have it to the full. I, I, I'm... I'm on track for my life to become a useful, fruitful thing. So, anyway, this whole authority um, thing—he sets it up, and I gotta move along here because we want to do some stuff. Okay, so the Roman centurion, right? He, the the Roman centurion, recognizes that faith—the essence of faith—is to see the structure see the hierarchy, to see the way it works. And he perceives that. And Jesus says, I've never seen any faith like this guy. So real faith is this ability to see the spiritual dimension behind the physical, natural dimension. And uh, so that's, that's, you know, through him, he recognized the authority of Jesus. <clears throat> and the second thing is this, um, this, this, This faith or this this acknowledgement of the authority within the spiritual dimension um, changes our understanding and our respect for it, and it touches and affects our whole life and our worldview and moves us in a life direction that is radically different than everything else that's going on in this world. In other words, before I know this, I'm just one more dead fish being carried down the stream. Once I know this, I'm swimming against the, the current Okay, and I'm and I have moved into a whole different worldview. Notice how this is phrased in the um, next passage. And you who were dead in the trespasses and sins, in what, in which you once walked. How many once walked in their trespasses and sins? How many honest people we have? Okay, good. Okay, um, following the course of this world. How many were following the course of this world? Another whatever was trendy. Whatever was hip, whatever was cool, whatever was going on, I'm down with that, right? This is, this is how we came up with a philosophy of life. Think of that, right? Yeah, what's happening? You know, like, without discernment, without even knowing what the setup was down here, he says, you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Basically, the he is identifying people who would say, my highest goal, my greatest purpose is my own well-being. I'm living for me. Okay, that's... That's the basic idea. But then something happened, and that is phrased again in in the second chapter. He says, but God, here's how God changed that whole picture, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places. So the first principle regarding our engagement in spiritual warfare and in the spiritual battle that Ephesians chapter 6 informs us about and equips us for is as follows. Understand that you are fighting from a position of strength. Right, Pastor John? In other words, you are not a victim. You are not helpless. You are not weak. The devil is not more powerful than you. As a matter of fact, if you read Ezekiel 26, it says at the end of all this, people are going to go like, is this the guy that made the whole world to tremble?" You know what I mean? He, he, he'll be like a worm at the end, at like, like nothing. And, and so with all of this, we are in the position of strength. We are occupying the high ground. We are occupying the more fortified and stronger position, and it has everything to do with what Jesus accomplished. I think I've got it, and we're going to take some time for communion here this morning. Three words that I mentioned right at the outset, that if you, if you would memorize these three words, you will, like, yeah, memorize these three words. That's the Polish kind of coming. It manifests itself every once in a while three words. If you know these three words, you basically have an outline of the entire book of Ephesians. And from these three words, you would really be able to recollect and draw back the whole thing. The first word is sit. Okay? Sit. Second word is walk. The third word is stand. Okay? Sit, walk, and stand. What does this mean? Okay. Well, when we're in the first portion of the book, we realize something about where Jesus is and what has happened in his story. Here's the, uh, here's the first chapter. That you may know what is the hope. Paul, Paul wants the people that he's preaching to to understand the spiritual dynamics and reality that are all around. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 1, he stops and he prays for, for them to become aware, specifically, of three Yeah, three particular things, right? That you would know what is the hope of your calling, what is the riches of his glorious inheritance, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Now watch as that is expressed. Sorry for you guys over here. We just had a a, uh, projector that went south. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power Toward us who believe, according to the working of his might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and, watch this, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things, all things, all things. I looked up all things in the Greek. It means all things. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's the statement. That's the skinny on Jesus. That's what has happened because you go back to Philippians, you know. Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, even though he was God, took upon himself the form of a servant, humbled himself, being found as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient unto the death. And for this reason, God also has highly exalted him, and given him the name that is above every other name. right? So Jesus got his authority by his humility. That's a, that's a different concept for authority, isn't it? Most people in our world get their authority by their pride, by their, by their selfish ambition. That's where, that's where the authority of, of the human governments and systems and structures and corpus, corporations, it all comes from selfish ambition and human pride. Jesus got his authority through his humility. By humbling himself and, became, and becoming obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, it's back to that whole statement that we can only walk in God's authority when we have placed ourselves under God's authority. And sometimes being under God's authority is going to be tough. You might lose some friends because you're not living the life that you lived before, because you're not just okay with everything that everybody does and, and, like, it's all right, because you have a different attitude about where life should go. Or even right now as we're in the midst of this crazy um, cultural insanity where, th- where someone is trying to say, you see that? That's not black. That's white. And, and, and most of us are sitting around, and you know, going, like, are, is, it, is everybody seeing what's going on here? Right? Is, am I the only one that's weird about the fact that, like, women can, or men can now compete in women's sports, and that's cool? And, and I have to accept this because you think you're a woman. we got to rise up against this with love and in the spirit of Jesus Christ. But we have to say, like what was going on in Daniel's day, I will not bow. That's what the church is going to have to do. In love, we are going to have to say, I will not bow to this thing, and it might cost me whatever it's going to cost me, but I cannot just simply go, oh, yeah, that's right, because I'm out of time. So, we, but we, it's because we want to do some, some communion here this morning. So, in that whole thing, and, and, and I can tie up the one loose end that I'm leaving by just simply. Um, adding that that passage that um, we looked at before from Ephesians chapter 2. All that is wonderful for Jesus because of his, his humility and because of all that he did and because of his great personal sacrifice. Yeah, he ought to be at the top of the stack. He ought to have a name that is above every other name. There's never been a name like Jesus who did the things that Jesus did. But the beautiful part is, it says in the second, the second chapter, but God who is rich in mercy, Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and raised us up to be seated together with Christ in the heavenly places, it goes on, that in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding richness of his grace expressed to us in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. In other words, all that Jesus accumulated, I know I've said this so many times, but it, it's being like it, we have to get the, 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 the worldview, or you know what I mean? We have to get the, the, the picture in our minds to understand and, and see the vision, the whole kingdom vision, In order to be able to look at the the whole thing that the world is offering with all of its allurement, with all its attractiveness, all its popularity, all of its trends, all its fashions, all its everything that it has that make it so powerful, unless we get the spiritual vision, that will have too much power and we'll be like sucked into it one way or another. But the more our minds are renewed and we understand the Word, and we understand how the structure, how the whole thing is actually set up by God. Then we can just fit ourselves right comfortably into this whole authority thing, and God can use us in a mighty way. Yes! Yes. Hallelujah. Okay. So, what we want to do is celebrate this. And that's what communion is all about. If, uh, if you'd like to receive communion with us this morning, we certainly invite you to receive communion. The criteria is simple. Do you have a living relationship with Jesus Christ? Has he, is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? If Jesus is your Lord and your Savior and, and, and you acknowledge that and that's what your life is all about, then this is a celebration of all the stuff that made that possible. This is my body. This is my blood. This was done for you. Do this again and again and again, and remember.